Thank you, Anna. Hey. Oh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Excited to be able to share this morning. You know, Guile kicked us off into a new series on worship last week. We were talking about all the W words and the, the one H word. Who, what, where, when, why, how. Um, and so I'm going to continue that series this morning. And, I, you know, the phrase as I've been getting ready to speak this morning is, is just the phrase, again, that, that Jesus speaks when he's in the house of the religious leaders and uh, or the Pharisees and, and the woman bursts in and, and it's the sinful woman of poor reputation and she breaks the perfume and pours it over Jesus' feet and, and the religious leaders, the Pharisees are offended and Jesus' message for them is that it's the person who's been forgiven much that loves much. It's the person that's been forgiven much, that loves much. So that's what's just stirring in my heart as we're going to continue to talk about worship. And I think it starts with receiving this message from Jesus that we need forgiveness. Amen. So our core scripture for this series is Romans 12.1. And that's where I want to begin today. So let's read this together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And what I want to zoom in on today from Romans 12.1 is just this phrase, pleasing to God. We see that living lives that are pleasing God is part of what it means to be worshipers. So I want to press into that today, and I want to start by saying that part of my story, a pretty significant part of my story, is that over the course of my life, this encouragement that we see in Scripture, not just here in Romans 12.1, but really all throughout Scripture, to live lives that are pleasing to God, has at times caused me debilitating anxiety. I don't know if any of you guys can relate, but um, I've always taken it seriously, wanting to follow Jesus and live in a way that's pleasing to him. But this has at times just been paralyzing. Um, but God's been doing something in my heart that's been bringing some freedom. And I, I hope to share out of that today in a way that uh, will be helpful for all of us. I think that for whatever reason, sometimes the way that I've really read this passage is as follows, and I'm not going to put it on the screen because I don't want the wrong way to read it to get stuck in your head. But this is the way that I think that I've often really read this or the way that it's landed in my heart over the years. So listen to this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, so that God will be merciful to you. This is your true and proper worship. And this is the way that I think this Verses has landed in my heart for whatever reason. I don't know all the reasons. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, so that God will be merciful to you. This is your true and proper worship. And obviously this is a terrible misunderstanding, right? So what I want to press in today is the fact that this encouragement that we receive from Paul and that we see all throughout Scripture to live lives that are pleasing to God is absolutely, crushingly intolerable 
if the foundation of God's mercy is not laid first. And this is exactly what Paul does in the first 11 chapters of Romans, right? So where we're at here is chapter 12, and there's this big significant word, therefore, right? Because of this beautiful, stunning, mind-blowing foundation of mercy that has been laid in these previous 11 chapters, let's begin to talk about what it looks like to live lives that are pleasing to him. I want to look into, uh, I, want, I want to back up a little bit in Romans and read just an example of Paul doing that, laying out that foundation of God's mercy. Romans 3. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God that has been na- made known to which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It's excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified, they're set right with God by faith and apart from the works of the law. So Paul understands what's absolutely vital for us to understand, and it's that we can't begin to talk about being sanctified. So funny, Tim just preached my whole sermon. We can all leave. There's a gray truck blocking window tinting, and you need to leave right now. Uh, We're not going to judge you. I won't judge you. I can't promise no one will, but... Oh, it's blue. Actually blue. Um, It's okay. Yeah, so Paul understands that if if, if we're going to begin to press into the topic of sanctification, living lives that are pleasing to God, we first have to talk about and understand justification, being made right with God. Justification is the absolutely vital foundation that sanctification is. Is built upon. Another way to say this is that the only sin that can be conquered is forgiven sin. The only sin that can be conquered is forgiven sin. The only life that can begin to even consider living in a way that's pleasing to God is a life that has been met with and thrown upon the mercy of God. So when we place our trust in Jesus, when we abandon our lives to him, place ourselves before him, we are forgiven and God becomes 100% for us. Not 99% for us, 100% for us. I just want to declare over you 
If you have placed your trust in Jesus, if you've recognized I can't do this on my own in my own strength, and you've placed yourself in the hands of Jesus, he has justified you because of your faith, and you are 100% reconciled before God, right with God. Because I don't know about you, but that makes me want to worship him. It makes me want to live for him. Guys, if we, if we don't allow this foundation of justification to be laid before we begin to think about, you know, and, and I think the temptation for me in my experience is to kind of ping, pat, ping pong <laughs> between really believing that this justification is the foundation for sanctification and, and, and not really knowing anymore, you know. But if our worship is going to be from a place of, of love and not just anxiety, We've got to believe that it's because of what Jesus has done that we're right with God and that God is for us. So I want to talk today about the good news about living to please God. Does that sound all right? So we just want to worship you, Jesus. We want to worship you. We've been praising you because we're, we're a room full. There's lots of people, hopefully everyone in this room people who have experienced your grace, experienced your mercy, and we want to say thank you for making a way for us to be right with God. You took the punishment we deserved so that we can be right with God. Now, would you teach us to live in light of this? Christians are people who have received God's mercy. Christians are people who have received God's mercy. Receiving mercy is the essential foundation for imperfect people like you and me to live a life that is pleasing to God. So I want to take a look at this theme in one of Jesus' teachings. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 18. And this is the story... um, a parable that Jesus tells called the Pharisee and the tax collector. So don't get ahead of me. I'm going to kind of be moving all throughout it. Listen to this intro. I love it when, when the context is just given there for you. You don't have to go looking for it very hard. Listen to this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. <laughs> I've been that person. Jesus told this parable. So clearly, Jesus is talking to people who believe that God should be pleased with them because of their own righteousness, right? And so as we see this intro, it should signal on all of us a big, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Jesus is about to love these people in a way that is, hopefully, if they'll have ears to hear, going to change the way that they see themselves, you know, I've started to recognize that, that when Jesus is, is harsh, every, every example that I can think of is because he's addressing religious insiders. He's addressing people who are confident in their own ability to get to him, to please him in their own strength, because he loves them. He's got to break through their callousness. So he loves them by telling this story, because he still, he believes that there's hope for them. So here's a parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, (laughs) 
I thank you that I'm not like other people. <laughs> Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Oh, this is just moving. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, and I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So a few takeaways from this parable. If you understand like this tax collector does, that if it's left up to you and your own hard work, and there is no way that you can be right with God or pleasing to him, Maybe you feel like your life's a mess beyond repair. Maybe you're painfully aware of the fact that you just don't have what it takes. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you are really conscious of the fact that you're in a desperate situation because of the things that you've done. Not because of the things that anyone's done to you. But, but you're aware. The essential thing here is you're aware of your need for Jesus. Then you are in luck because Jesus is longing to be merciful to you. He is irresistibly attracted to humility, to awareness of need. You can be justified, declared right with God. God wants to be 100% for you as you put your trust in Jesus. And I want to say also, if you struggle like I have often struggled in my life with exalting yourself and being confident in your own righteousness and judging other people, comparing yourself to others and attempt to justify yourself. The good news is that God can humble you. And I want to go, go further and say that God wants to humble you so that you can experience his mercy God wants to humble you because he wants to mercy you. He wants to lavish his mercy upon you. He knows that the only way for you to experience a meaningful, fulfilling, wonderful life, the kind of life that he's created for you, is if you become a recipient of his mercy. And if he has to humble you in order to give you his mercy, he'll do it. So I think that's a good... I think it's a good prayer. I think it's a good prayer. I I think we can be confident that because God's good, that he's not going to go further than he needs to go in humbling us. Amen. I want to read this quote from Tim Keller, who, who just recently passed. He's a, just a gospel proclaimer that made such an impact. And so, We honor him in his life. And I want to read this quote here. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Come on. Doesn't that make you want to worship? 
So I want to go to the next, the very next verse in Luke 18 and pick up this next story. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So I've been asking Jesus for a while, what, what is it about children? If they're the model, it's actually kind of serious. You say, I cannot enter your kingdom if I don't become like a child. So the other night, Hudson woke up in the middle of the night. My little boy, he's one. And he sat up in his crib and he was crying crocodile tears. And, and I went in his room and he reached out his arms to me. Dad, 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 you know. And I sat on the rocking chair with him and he, he rested his shoulder on me and he, and he fell asleep. You know, he's sucking his thumb. You know, as he's getting older and a little more, a little more independent, you know, he's able to walk. And when he was, when he was really young, all he could do was just sit on me and love on me. But now that he can move around, I'm not as exciting as this big, great world that he's exploring. So I really cherish those moments, you know, where he's sad and wants me. <laughs> it's not the only, it's not the only time he wants me, but, but he's sitting on, he's sitting on me and he's sucking his thumb and, 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 and the Lord begins to show me something. You know, what is it about Hudson right now that I can learn from? You know, what is it about Hudson that moves my heart as a daddy? You know, Hudson, Hudson knew he needed me. Hudson was dependent on me. He was honest with me. You know, he, he let me see his tears. He was vulnerable with me. He wanted me. He let me help him. You know, daddy, daddy. And our world tells us that success looks like being independent, self-sufficient. But Jesus tells us unless we become like children, we won't enter his kingdom. So I'm going to shift a little bit now. As recipients of God's mercy, Paul urges us to live lives that are pleasing to God. After Paul lays the foundation for sanctification, he shifts into, or sorry, when he lays, he lays the foundation for justification, and he shifts into sanctification. You know, what does it look like to live out of this? I want to say that Jesus longs to deliver us from the penalty for our sin, justification. But he also wants to deliver us from the power of sin in our lives, sanctification. You're God's children through justification. Now you get to live like it. Amen? So how do we do this? I'm going to read Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, 
that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul is saying that as we place our trust in Jesus, that Jesus is going to equip us with everything good for doing his will. And he is going to work in us what is pleasing to him. In Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it talks about how because of our salvation, we, we're encouraged to work through it with fear and trembling, to, to take, it, take it very seriously, this precious thing. I, I, was, thinking, I was thinking about if we, if we were given like a billion dollar piece of, of treasure, you know, we would, we would hold it almost fearfully. There's something so precious and beautiful, salvation that we've been given, right? And so we're to take it seriously. And then Paul goes on to say in 13, it is God who works in us both to will and to do what pleases him. The desire to please God comes from God. The power to please God comes from God. And I'll back up further. The ability to be in right relationship with God comes from God. The desire to do what pleases God after we've been set right with God comes from God. And the power to carry out what God's given us to do comes from God. So we can say that we're, that we, we, we come to justification through faith and then we receive sanctification through faith. Amen. I want you to think of a, of a children learning to walk. My son Hudson is in this process now. And in one sense, I'm, I'm very pleased with Hudson. I, I love him. You know, he, he's not done very much in his life at this point. He, he eats, he drinks, he poops, sleeps, repeat. But I just can't help myself when I hold him and I just say, oh, Hudson, I'm proud of you. What am I proud about? I, I don't know. I, he's mine. You know, I, in one sense, because he's my boy, I'm pleased with him. But I would be so sad for him and for me if he never wanted to learn how to walk, right? So what do we do? He's sitting on his bottom, content with his toys. And I say, hey, Hudson, come on. You want to try this? You know, there, you, can, you can get to some places, army crawling, but there's a lot more stuff that you want to experience, you've been created for more. There's this beautiful, wonderful world to explore and, and fun, meaningful work that the Lord's given you to do, serving people and loving people. So, hey, buddy, what do you think? Let's give it a try. I know it's, it's a little scary, but, you know, I'll hold, I'll hold your hands. And, and, so I, and so I start to work up in him a desire, you know, a desire. And then, and then, I, and then I take his hands and I hold his hands and, and, and we'll, take a, we'll take a walk together, you know, just little, little steps and and it's awkward and it's ugly and he, and he falls over sometimes and he cries. But I'm pleased with him, you know? Not because he's mastered it, but because he's trying, because he's learning, you know? And then there's going to come a day when Hudson's going to be an excellent walker. And I'm going to be pleased with him. Right? So God wants to equip us with everything good for doing his will. And he wants to work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. I want to say God doesn't, 
asked you to live a life to please him because he's grumpy. God doesn't ask us to live lives that please him because he's grumpy. God asks us to live the kinds of lives that are pleasing to him because it's what will bring us joy. It's what will bring us joy. I was thinking, I was trying to think of 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 an example of something like this, and I was thinking about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and this is a spoiler alert, but if you've not watched that yet, I I just, there's nothing I can do for you, (laughs) or read read that yet, (laughs) you know, and, and I was thinking about Frodo and Sam, you know, and they're, and they're, and they're living in the Shire, right, it's this peaceful, sweet place, um, you know, everything's green and lush. You know, they don't deserve to be there. They were born there. And then they're given an opportunity to do something really important and really brave, right? To, to take, take the ring, you know, and, and with the help of the fellowship. And, and I, always see the, I always see the birds, you know, remember the birds that could like, kind of was like God's sovereignty. Like, like part of me wonders, like, couldn't he have just picked them up at the Shire and dropped them off at Mount Doom? But that wouldn't have been a fun story, right? But I think about Frodo and Sam, you know, could they have just stayed in the Shire? Yeah, they could have. But instead, they come to the end of their journey and they have these, they have these, deep, meaningful friendships. They have these just incredible stories to tell, you know, because they decided, you know, we're going we're gonna to give this a shot. You know, we're going we're gonna to accept the, the challenge of, of, of obedience, you know, and living, living the lives that, that we were created for. Not because we have to, but because, wow, how fun, right? So there's a lot at stake for us if we don't decide to really take seriously this encouragement to live lives that are pleasing to God? Wouldn't it be a bummer, you know? Like, could you just sit on your bottom, you know, for the rest of your life? I, I, I think so. But wouldn't you be bummed? Wouldn't you be bummed? That is a really great pun. That was, that was absolutely not intended. <laughs> I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. If you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you're trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside of you. Come on. So as we seek to live lives that are pleasing to God, I, I want to say that the most important question is this. Where are we placing our faith? Are we placing our faith in ourselves and in our own strength, in our money, in our status, in our relationship skills? If you're like me, stunning good looks, 
that was ad lib. Are we placing our faith in ourselves? Are we placing our faith in Jesus? Everything in our world is encouraging us to look inside us, to look inside ourselves to find the, the desire and the power to become somebody, to make something of ourselves. You know, I think sometimes in the church, because this is like the American dream, you know, it can, it can slip in, you know, it can sneak into our gospel message in a way that it doesn't belong. Everything in our world is encouraging us to look inside ourselves for the power, the desire to change, the, des- the ability to please God. But the gospel is that we cannot do this in our own strength. We are to place our lives in Jesus' hands. He just so values our vulnerable trust. He loves our vulnerable trust. He wants to be trusted. So if you begin to feel anxious about whether or not you're living a life that is pleasing to God, I want to say stop looking in the mirror and run to Jesus. And I, want to, I want to say that again. The sermon went quite a bit shorter than I anticipated. <laughs> but God's pleased with me. <laughs> so I want to say this to your hearts. You know, would you, would you receive this to your hearts? You know, if, if you're battle-weary... Sometimes we get beat up in church. Somehow this message doesn't come through. If you feel anxious today, if you've ever felt anxious, you know, we 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 can look at Paul in Philippians 4. I was just talking about Philippians 2, but in Philippians 4, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. If you've ever been anxious about whether or not God is pleased with you. I want to say, this, this desire to live a life that's pleasing to God is important. But stop looking at yourself. Stop looking in the mirror at yourself and look to Jesus. If you're anxious about whether or not your life is pleasing to God, stop looking in the mirror and run to Jesus. So let's stand. I just want to pray over us. Oh, you know what? Shelly said, don't forget the Oikos prayer. And I said, it's in my notes. I won't forget the Oikos prayer. I forgot the Oikos prayer. Um, You know what? No, stay standing if you can. Father, first I just want to pray, Lord, for, for anyone that hasn't taken very seriously their need to be made right with you. Lord, we know that we are not on a boss word trajectory. We're not on a spouse word trajectory. We're not on an American culture word trajectory, but we are on a trajectory with your face, with you. And your assessment of us will be the only assessment that will ultimately matter. So I pray, Lord, that conviction will fall heavily upon anyone who has not seriously considered the fact that they will give an account to you for their lives. 
But I pray, Lord, for anyone that, that desires to do that and has placed their life in your hands but still plagued with anxiety. God, are you pleased with me today? Are you pleased with me today? I pray, Lord, that that could be settled today. I pray with faith, Lord, that that could be settled for us today. Lord, it's, it's our faith that pleases you. That you're the one that makes us pleasing. And you're the one that teaches us to live lives that are pleasing to you. Amen. So let's read this prayer together and then we'll pray oikos together. Let's read it. Father, in response to how much mercy you have given us, help us to offer to you our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. This will be our true and proper worship. Amen. And now let's just invite the Spirit to bring to our attention people in our lives that are far from God. People who have not experienced His mercy. We're going to pray this prayer together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from You. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. And since I have a few moments, I want to, I want to sing together. <laughs> I'm just feeling, Kyle's not here. I'm feeling crazy. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling crazy. Um, I, I, you know, I, theology should inspire doxology, right? As we begin to understand who God is and his love and mercy towards us, worship should be the result. So I just want to sing, uh, uh, Lord, you are more precious. Can we do that? All right. And Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you Costly than gold, and Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds, and nothing I desire compares with you. And Jesus, we love you, we love you, we love you. And Jesus, we love you, we love you, we love you. And Jesus, we love you, we love you, we love you. More than anything, more than So we bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. You're the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you for your obedience, for your perfectly pleasing life, that as we put our trust in you, we can be justified and sanctified and ultimately glorified. We bless you, King Jesus. And I bless this people today that we could go out from here and get to work from a place of of being your beloved sons and daughters, could we get to work? Could we get to work making the gospel known, making the world beautiful, establishing your kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace be with you guys.